0: All right, you all ready? Jump in the text now. We good? Yeah. Okay. My my wife is going. Why did he do that? And just get everybody so riled up. Okay. Thanks, babe. Thanks, sweetie. I've got the stool. I've got the stool close by. I'm just gonna walk around with it. Um, we're in the book of what? It was written by who? What are the first five books before it called? Pentateuch you all are a bunch of nerds knowing that word that 's good and it 's also called the what torah. the torah okay first five books of very good and jo- Joshua was born where Egypt. Egypt he was one of the slaves born as a slave there in Egypt, and he was an assistant to who Moses, Moses. but Moses died, and we as we 've looked through chapters one, two, three, and four he is he has come he is in charge he's got god 's placed in charge and he 's led them. Through the Jordan River, which is dry because God parted it and made dry land for them all to cross the Jordan River. How many crossed the Jordan River around wow. around 1.8 million people Now that's not we don't have like a chart, but that's a guesstimate. that's a good guesstimate of how big this crowd was that, that crossed the Jordan. Who here has um, and don't say anything, but who here has heard the story about when I was hit by a car when I was 10, ten years old? Y'all, y'all, some of you you right now are going. That's why he talks like that. Okay, I know that's what you're thinking. That happened five years before that. Uh, we won't even go into that story. But when I was ten, I was hit by a car. I was riding my bike and slammed into a car. Slammed into me and and uh, I I if if the front row can probably see the oh, nice leg, right? You see that scar there? Yeah. Okay, there's a big scar on my leg because my leg caught on the bumper of the car. I'm like a thug now. Um, and um, it caught on it, and it ripped it wide open. I flipped over uh, and landed on, like, the back of the car and slid off the side. And it looked like brains were hanging out of my leg. It was just awesome. I was 10. Um, so that's the story. When I've ever been asked about that scar, that's the first story that's always come out, Even especially when I was a kid. Now, I need to clarify some things. The car was parked. I wasn't, but I was moving. I was riding my bike, doing a wheelie about a tenth of a mile. I mean, I was going fast and far, and uh, it was in my driveway, my own driveway, and it was it was it was my mom's car that I, I caught my leg on the bumper. That part's all true, and I flipped over. I think I actually flipped over and landed on the hood and put a dent in her hood and slid off the side. My mom came out freaking out because leg brains were everywhere. And I'm, I'm shoving them back in my leg And I'm thinking, <laughs> these can be re- reused again. I mean, it was still attached, sort of. It was the nastiest thing you ever saw. Uh, my mom was about to pass out. I'm like, Mom, just take me somewhere. And she took me to... Um, Billy Joe Bob's stitch them up quick shop and get your oil change, too, for free. Uh, It was just, so I've got, like, a bobo scar because these guys were, like, they were blind people that were sewing my leg back back together. Um, So that that story wasn't really the the whole truth, right, the first one that I told you, right? Because you're thinking, oh, man, he got hit by a car. Holy cow! That's a cool story. Which is weird. You'd think that's cool, you know? Oh man! Um, and the truth is, it was my mom's car, and it was in the driveway. It's just not so fun when I tell the whole the whole truth of what it is. We're going to look at some uh, a text today that um, some people take the word of God, or they they live out this Christ like faith, and they only live it par- partly out, or in a way. And when they do that, they really miss the essence of the story. If I didn't tell you the whole story, you really wouldn't know what had occurred to me. But because I ended up, I I, I told on myself and really let y'all in. Don't tell anybody else. I didn't get, make y'all swear beforehand. Um, uh, but we're going to look at some text here that there misconceptions about how God works. And uh, it's some very important stuff that I think will apply to everybody in in this room in a variety of ways. But let's pray, and we're going to jump, jump in this. God, we just ask for you uh, just, to, just to calm things. We ask for your spirit to, to work and move here as we walk through your text. Um, God, in truth, the video is not important, but your word is so important. I thank you for every student that's in this room tonight. God, I, I thank you that, that um, we've got this chance just to teach them. God, I thank you so much that you love them. Uh, and you have such a plan for each one of them, and God, I just ask that that t- tonight they'll just begin. If they don't understand, they'll begin to understand the the true uh, amazing love you have for them. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, Amen. So we're we're in the book of Joshua, chapter five. So if y'all can turn there, I think we might have the words on the screen. We may not. I'm not going to bank on it. Um, uh, But follow along. This is sort of the background for our text for tonight, okay? And and this is what it says. As soon as all the kings... Have we got the words? Good. As soon as all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west, and all the king, kings of the Can, 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 Canaanites who were by, by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan, for the people of Israel, until they had crossed over, their hearts melt, melted, and there was... No longer any spirit in them because of the people of it. It, 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 Israel. Um, we, we're going to stop right there for a second. Now, we see in this text from last week, they've just crossed over the Jordan River. God has done an amazing thing. He dried up the water of the Jordan, which was in flood stage. He dries it up so that they can get across. 1.8 million people at the same time goes across the Jordan. The the people in the 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 now this is them entering the promised land for the first time. God has talked about this land since Genesis chapter 17. He told Abraham, "I'll make you a a father of a great nation." Well, stay away from that word, right? And um and so. This is, they're, they're, they've taken, if you look where that is, that's like on page 48 of your, of your Bible. And we're at page 900, and not, not 970, we're somewhere else. But it, it's just taken all this time for them to finally get there. They've crossed over the Jordan. And the tribes that are there who, who they're going to take this land from um, are terrified of them. They've heard of their God. They've heard that their God dried up the Jordan so they could come across. And so they are, it it, it says that their their hearts melted and there was no longer any spirit in them. When someone's heart melts and there's no spirit left in them, that means courage is gone. Hope is gone. Any chance of anything good is gone. You can walk in and step on them. And they will give up because they are so. Ter- they have given up, and we see a thing crazy as we've even worked through this book. Every time we've worked in this book, something weird has occurred, and we're about to hit some text. You think it was weird not getting the words on that that thing? The text we're about to read. I cannot wait for y'all to go home and ask your moms and dads questions about this text. And I encourage you. I'll even explain what to ask them. But so we're going to jump in this text. But they, they've just come over. Where they're going, they're terrified. It's the time where it would make sense for you or I. We're going, well, let's take the land. Let's, let's go wipe them out right now. It's the time to do it. And it gets weird right here. Look here in verse 2. And it says this. And this is what I'm going to ask you all, can you all stand uh, as we read verse 2 through 8? sort of the main part of our text. We stand in, 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 in honor of God's word. And listen to this text. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. So J- 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 Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at G- G- Gibbeth Har- Harloth. And this is the the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the, the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Though all the people who came out had been circumcised, yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. Some of you at this point are going, what in the world are we reading just stay, stay with me. Verse, verse 6. For the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nat- nation, the men of war who came out of e- Egypt perished because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. The Lord swore to them that he would not let them see the land that the Lord had sworn to their, their, their fathers to give to us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So it was their children whom he raised up in their place, that Joshua circumcised. For they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on on the way. When the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their place in the camp until they were healed. Everybody, sit down. I've just read the, the word circumcised like 13 times. Is it nine times? It felt like 40. Okay forty now some of you are like, This is awkward, some are you're what are you talking about and we' we'll, we'll explain a little bit about this in Genesis chapter seventeen God appeared to a, a- abraham and, and says this: this is my cup 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 covenant, which is my prom- promise to you that I will make you a great nation and give you the promised land. And and, and, and so he says, this is what I will do. But this is your part of the deal. Every male that's born on the eighth day, they will be circumcised. And that is to show your commitment to me. I'm making a commitment to you. This is a commitment to me saying that you are set apart as holy, that you are my people. This is what I want you to do. So this is a plan God had put way, way back that they had kept with up until this time when for the last 40 years. Now, some of you are going, okay, what is circumcision? And this is what it is. <laughs> it's a minor sur- surgical procedure on the, pr- the private part of a male. Ooh, I know, I know, okay? And um, I would really, I had plans to show you some videos and everything, but it's not working. Uh, so, uh, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It was just that video thing This just led for that. We'll edit that out of things. Um, uh, but this is what I, I want you to do, guys. Hey, come back to me for that. I'm sorry I said that. Um, I want you to go home and ask your parents what circumcision is—that's your homework. Do it, please, because it's a great conversation. I would go into the—I would take the time, but we just—we just don't have that much time here, and I've just got to move on. So, um, so I encourage y'all to do to to do that. So, here they cross the Jordan. They're, the folks are terrified that they're coming. Their camp is at a place called Gilgal, and it's about two-plus miles away from the city of Jericho. They know that they're close, okay? And um, and instead of going to war, they do a surgical procedure, not just on the eight-day-old boys, but on all the men that are at the age of 40 or down. Uh, And this is something that for a man will take him... May, he will be laying down for like four to seven days. And so this is not like what you would go, we're going to war, we're going to take the land, let's cross into the land, and let's circumcise everybody. Because uh, the truth is, if the enemy had found out about this, they could have come into the camp and wiped out the camp. Because you're, you're, you're too hurt to jump up and fight. So they, they left themselves sitting ducks there. Why... Would they do this? <clears throat> now, um, it says the previous generation or their parents uh, were circumcised when they were in Egypt. They had kept with this covenant with God. And it says that when they, when they came out of Egypt, when they were freed from slave, slavery, the people really began to whine and complain, right? They were like, we don't have food to eat. We don't have meat to eat. We, we were so much better when we were just enslaved. Can we just be slaves again? Because we, we, at least we ate good food. And so every time God moved and helped them, they just sort of whined and complained about it. When they come to this land, God had promised 40 years before this text that we're at now, they came to it. They spent spies into the land, 12 into the land. 10 came back and said, we can't go in this land. Giants are in this land. They, they, they will squash us. Two of the spies said, we can do it. K- 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 Caleb, and who? Yeah, these are the two. And those were the only two men of that age who were uh, allowed to live and go into the the promised land. The rest of them died out. Now, um, it's interesting that they weren't obedient. They whined about their food. They whined about their the, what, what type of food with meat they, they, God brought them to this land to go into, they refused to go into. So every time God moved or God was there they were just sort of disobedient to him or not thankful to him. And even the part with the covenant on the eight days you were to circumcise your your son as a, as a sign of your covenant relationship with me, the one that I have with you. And it says that these these, these, these people did not do that. And there's a there's a truth here. Um, well, th- this is, this is the, the, the last point. The people there had been circumcised. They had been in that covenant relationship with God. But if you peeled back that outer layer of who they were, they were disobedient. They were whiners. They were selfish. And, uh, and they weren't at all what they looked like on the outside as a people of God were supposed to look like. And this is the first misconception. There's three of them we're going to talk about. The first one is this. In the church, you can fake it till you make it. In, in this church, in the body of Christ, hey, you can fake it until you make it. Now, what does that mean? People today, they go to church, man. I go to church. I I, I, I love God. I love God. They, they say it. They say... um, and they sing loud, they're some up front, and, man, they got their hands raised, they're all over there and and they give money, man, and the tithe that they come, they're they're putting a a twenty spot in there, or or they're they're giving, they're they're not getting change out, you're not supposed to do that. And so they're 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 doing all these things that look good. And they were even baptized. They're baptized in the church. But there's so many peop, 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 people that are like that. That when they leave the doors of of the church, or when they leave the youth department, or wherever they go, all of a sudden this Christ likeness that they show here is gone. Are they a believer in Christ or not? Because the misconception for for the the parents of of this group was man, I'm good, I look the part. I was circumcised. I'm in covenant relationship with God, but their hearts showed something completely, completely different. I had a former youth, um, I'll call him Cam, uh, who, he was that kid who, man, he would, we'd go to, we'd do do, do, do camp, and he'd be on the front row, and the hands would be raised, and some of the bands that would come, man, that kid really loves the Lord. I'd be like, oh, you really don't know that kid, because He was showy, he would talk big, but then you notice when he got away from that crowd, he was a train wreck. He never got it. And there are so many in the church, every church, every church, that's being judgmental, but most of them that come and they look the part. I'm dressed right, I was baptized, I give, I'm a a deacon. And they, they never got it. See, so so we think, and some of you in this room think, "Man, I'm good. I look good. Everybody thinks I'm good." And can I tell you that will get you nowhere? If you keep that up, you will die in the wilderness, just like these people. the The truth um, of this is God wants obedience over. Appearance. God wants your obedience. You want to show you're a child of God? Obey God. You want to be a child of God? Obey Him. Follow His word. And out of that will come the fruit of who you are. There's, you know, the We, we don't, I don't, we don't walk up and go, hey, have you been circumcised? You know, we, we don't really ask that question. That'd be awkward. I don't suggest you do that. Uh, going, are you in covenant with God? You know, we don't we don't Baptism is something that that we do here that that could be uh, explained as as similar. It's, and being baptized, it's an 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 outward expression. It's an outward picture of an inward transformation. When you're baptized, just and some of you haven't read this, you're you're buried in Christ. You're you're put underneath the water like you're dead. Ooh, this is morbid. You're like really? Yes, but don't worry. You don't stay there too long unless you're really sinner, and then I'll leave you. Um, and so, and then you you rise in new newness of life. So you're you're buried and you, and you rise in in Christ in life. That's what the p- the picture is for the church. And uh, uh, and some will say, well, why why are we Why would we even do the the baptism thing? Why is it a big deal? And this is just a little side note. Has anyone here ever played on a sports team b- before? Yes. Okay. Okay. Good. Has Anyone here ever played on a sports team that had a certain uniform that you wore? Yeah, yeah. Okay, most sport teams do. Why? Because why? Why? Because it would y'all agree it ident- I, I, identifies what team you're on. Yeah. Baptism does the same thing. Okay, that's why we encourage you, man. If you're you've got a relationship with Christ and you've not, man, it's, it's like hey get in the game. I want to let folks know which team I'm on. That's why we do baptism. Um, But there's some people that I'll tell you have been baptized that don't get it. They're faking it till they make it. And it's just not enough. You can't, you can't make it that way. Jump here to verse 10. So God wants obedience over appearance, this first truth. Second, while the people of Israel were in camp at Gil- Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jer- Jericho. And the day after the Passover on that very day, they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parts grain. And the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Uh, misconception number two: God primarily works in spectacular ways. Man, we we love to see God work in amazing. Man, that was a God thing. Wow, we love to see it. We love to talk about it. Uh, and 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 there's a belief that something. Well, that's the way God. Most time, if you want to see God work, it's going to be in some amazing way. Someone had been diagnosed with a tumor, and they were praying about it, and they went in, and, and there was no tumor. It was gone. The doctors didn't know how it worked. We we're like, holy cow, God is so good. We see God work in, in, in these amazing ways. When um, Remember in this text here, uh, the people were in the wilderness. They were hungry, complaining to Moses, wishing that they would be enslaved because, man, they, at least we had good, good food to it. To eat there, and God, being gracious as He is, because see, if I were God, I would just stepped on the the people and start it over. But I'm not God. Praise the Lord. Okay, Um, uh, but God, in His grace, He says, "Okay, I, I will provide for you food." And so He has this bread like substance come with the dew of the ground, not dog dew. It's dew of the wet ground in the morning. Okay, so you're like, do the crap, yeah. It's so it's in the morning when it's wet outside. That's called dew, dew. Okay, and they um and so they would go out and and when this dew would fall on the ground, this bread would be there. And so they would go collect the bread and they would have the bread uh, to eat for the rest of the day. But the bread they didn't didn't collect would just spoil and just sort of go away after a little while on the ground. So God provided this bread for them food for them that was a sweet, tasty bread from what you can tell. And it's called manna, which means, I don't know. Because when they found it, they're like, what is it? Manna. They're like, I don't know. And they're like, it's, I don't know. They, yeah, it's, I don't know. So they call this manna, I don't know. That's that's Y'all got a, a good <laughs> Hebrew word there. They did this for 40 years. God fed them 1.8, roughly million people people for four years. Do you know how many days that is? 14,610 days, counting the leap years, Tristan, right? Because uh, really it's not his bur- b- birthday today because he, he's going to turn four or five soon or a couple years, right? Because he's a leap year baby. So he's February 29th, but we still love you because you're special. Um. <laughs> let Let me ask you in this text does God stop he 's provided for them for fourteen thousand six hundred and ten days does he stop because he 's mad adam does he um is he punishing them for something that they did so why does he stop they too much. well they did uh, a certain text they did do that, but that 's not why God stops st- st- Stops here. Why does the text say that God stops? They didn't need it anymore. For forty years they needed it because they, they they couldn't survive off the place that they were at. So God gave it to them. But he said, "When I," it says, "The day after they ate uh, of the the parched grain and the fruit of the land, the day after they ate that next day, the manna ceased." Why? Because God no longer provided this way. And if you think about it, it's amazing. For 40 years, he fed them. And all of a sudden, he stopped. Why? Because he had a whole new way to feed them. That was just as amazing as the first. See, we we expect God to work in these these amazing uh, ways. Is God still, in this text, providing for them Food? Right, it says that they ate. Right, they had food of the land. Right, Um, should they be thankful for the provision that that God provided for them? Should they be? Would we all agree? Yes. Are we thankful for God's provision in our own life every day? The little things, like lunch. Oh, it's a sandwich. I didn't really want a, a sandwich. Is it what you needed to make it through the next four hours until dinner? Well, yeah. Well, I earned this money. Well, who gave you the, or your parents earned this money? Who gave them the ability to earn the money? God did. Uh, when we eat at Chick-fil-A, God provides. A- amen? Oh, like, yeah, amen. We, I mean, when we... When we, we, we travel home or we travel to school or to work, God provides his provision. When we go home and we have a, a, a bed to sleep on and, and we've got clothes to wear, thank the good Lord y'all have clothes to wear, God provides. And we act like, man, I don't see God working in my life at all. And God is working in your life all the time, and we never give him the credit for it. Why? Because we expect that He primarily works in spectacular ways. And really, the greatest ways that God works is in the eh, 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 everyday, the mundane, what we're used to. And when we do that, we just get used to it and we're not thankful for it. My challenge for you and it's for me, man, let me be thankful for the everyday. Let me see God working in the everyday because He is. We, we just don't give Him that credit. You know, There's a text in Acts chapter 17, verse 24 and 25 that says this, The God who made the heaven and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. God gave us breath. God gives you breath right now. We take for granted. We don't, well, I don't really think about breathing. Well, that would be exhausting. I think we'd fall asleep and we'd die. Or, you know, we, we couldn't make it. On the count of three, everybody breathe. One, two, three. Yeah, some of y'all need a mint. God, God gives us breath. Let's be thankful for the everyday because, in the truth, number two, is God's always working around us. Jump here to the last part of the text. It's in chapter verse 13 through 15. It says this when Joshua was by Jer- Jer- Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold uh, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. That can be a little scary, I'm sure. And J- Joshua went to him and said to him, "Are you for us or are you for our adversaries?" And he said, "No, but I am commander of the army of the Lord, now I've come. And jo- 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 Joshua fell on his face to, to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Uh, a man is standing before him, Who's a commander of the army of the Lord? And it says at that moment Joshua falls with his face to the earth and he worships him. Now some would read this text "Well, it's an angel of the Lord. It's a it's a it's a being of the Lord who is there to do the work." But it, it's interesting uh, because he says to him, um, uh. Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. Okay, he 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 says this. Have we heard this this before? Have y'all know of any story of anybody else being told this one? It's the exact same thing, word for word. Who who was Moses. Moses was at the burning bush when the Lord in the burning bush, the bush that didn't burn, said to him this. He said said Moses. Moses, God called him out of the bush, Moses. Moses, and he said, "Here I am." Then he said, "Do not come near. Take your s- sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground." All of a sudden, we see an experience here, and it, he says, "He says, I'm the commander of the army of the Lord," and he worships him. And whenever someone has worshipped an angel or man in text, and it's it's been an angel or a, a man like Paul and Apollos and Apollos in Romans, whenever that's been done, the angel or the men have said, hey, no, 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 don't do that. I'm not the one you're supposed to worship. But here in this text, we see him allow him to worship. Why? Because it's got to be Jesus, the commander of the army of the Lord before him. And he knows it. And he calls him Lord. He says, I'm your servant. and He bows and he worships him. That's just an important point of the text. Uh, and there's a weird thing that said here. He said, hey, he doesn't know who, who he is. He says, hey, are you for us or are you for our enemies? And the commander of the army of the Lord says, no. Come on, say what? I said, are you for us or are you for No. Man, why does he say no? Misconception number three. God is on the Christian's Side or the believer side, misconception number three: God is on the believer side. Now, some of you are going, "Wait, I think I think that God's on my side." But I want you to think about it because why does that? A are, are you for us or are you against us? And God says, "No, man." What, what does He mean by that? Second Peter three nine says this: The Lord is not slow to fulfill. His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know what God wants for everybody in this entire world? Believer and not non? He wants everyone to come to what? Repentance. He wants everybody, everybody to come to Him. So the question is, who's God fighting for for here, the believer or the non-believer? And the truth is, God doesn't fight for either. He he fights for for both, and he fights for, for God. The creator of the world, he's the creator of the world. You can't, hey, God, get on my side. That's not the way it works. God doesn't get on our side. We get on his side. That's why the Bible always talks about Following the will of God. Let the will of God rule and reign in your hearts. And you seek and follow the will of God. Why? Because it's not about God getting on your side. It's about you getting on God's side. I just hope you all get that. And the question is this. Are you on God's side or not? Just ask yourself right now. Are, Are you on? How do I know? Am I doing the things that the word of God says I ought to be doing? Do I seek him? Do I Honor him when he speaks to me. Do I do I follow? Do I obey? Which side are we on? The believer works to be on God's side. Don't be tripped up by these simple things that we can be led to believe, that we think, hey, man, if I just fake it, if I just look good enough at church, I'm good, because the truth is you're not. God much wants your obedience over your up appearance, what you, what you say or how you, you look. He wants obedience every time. God, God wants us to um, be on his side, to live on his side, to find what side that is, where that is, and go there and do it. It's not about God being on your side. It's about us being on, on God's side. And, um, and you, don't miss the point. God works in the everyday. God's working right now. I challenge you this week, just look around at everything in, in your life and write down, okay, how is God working in my life right now? And if we really begin to look, and if we are a follower of Christ and we seek him, we're going to see God working in so many ways. And you're like, well, I don't know how to talk to God. I don't know what to say. Start to make a list of what you're thankful for on how he works and how he He moves in your life.